In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Glory. How do you define that word? Some of us might think of glory in terms of earthly terms. This past Monday, we saw Kansas glorying in the victory that they had with the national championship in men's basketball, and yet we look at North Carolina and maybe even your beloved Razorbacks and beloved Boilermakers, and we think of the suffering of watching them lose, and we look forward to another year. Glory can be found in so many different things today. It can be found with great and grand news about a job offer, a raise. It can be found in things seen on edges of cliffs with beautiful sunsets or sunrises on top of a mountain. How do you define glory? Peter says tonight, I exhort the elders, that's not the board of elders, that is the pastors, as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd of the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. The glory that is to be revealed. It'd be nice to see some glory now, wouldn't it? Moses is told, as he's shepherding his flock, from a burning bush, take off your sandals because you are standing on holy ground. He got to see the glory of God veiled in the burning bush. The people of the Old Testament got to see the glory of God in the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. In the tabernacle and the tent of meeting, they could look and say, yes, that is the glory of God. God is with us. God has been approving of what it is that we have been doing or disapproving of what we are doing. We are either rejoicing or we are scared to the point of death. Glory, where is it today? How do we define it? As you have heard me say over and over, God works in opposites. God does not work in terms of glory being revealed to us in ways that the world talks about glory. It's not about lifting up trophies or having our breath taken away or even having emotions and thrills up our spine. God's glory is found in suffering, in the shedding of blood, in becoming one of us, to walk amongst us, to hunger with us, to thirst with us, to be mocked and spit upon, to be as one who's acquainted with sorrows and grief, esteemed, smitten, stricken, and afflicted by God. The world looks at Jesus on the cross and says, there's no glory in that. That guy's a loser. That guy died a, the death of a criminal. That man was put to death via execution. The cross is no different than an electric chair, we might even say, or the gas chamber. It's not a place where people are winning in the game called life. But for us, this is how God reveals his glory. For you 
and for me. God revealed his glory to you in your baptism. You might say, well, I was just a few weeks old in my baptism. My parents brought me to the baptismal font. A pastor, maybe, who's not even alive anymore, said some words and poured some water over me, and it didn't seem to be very glorious. In fact, I've even wondered at times if it even really took or it counted. But according to the grace of God, by the word of God, that is where God's glory was revealed to you in the washing and regeneration by the power of the Holy Spirit. In those baptismal waters, that is where you are connected to Jesus' death and his resurrection. As we heard this past Sunday, you will not taste death because Christ is victorious over death. That font, those waters don't seem so glorious. The glory of God is revealed in the word of God, which says your sins are forgiven, which says that God has created you and each and every day, and he continues to take care of and order each and every day by his peace. He is the one who keeps everything on this big blue ball floating in space together. And yet we can't even agree where this big blue ball came from or how it came to be or where it's even going. The glory of God is found on this altar as weekend and weekend and weekend out you come and receive holy communion, a piece of bread that might remind you a little bit of chewing on styrofoam, a sip of wine, nothing too glorious or glamorous, but according to the word of God for you, the body and blood of Jesus Christ given and shed for the forgiveness of sins, the strengthening of faith. Jesus who says, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life in him. What does this mean for you and for me? I would love to show you some of the glory of God, to somehow reveal you to you a little glimpse of what his true glory is all about. But you'll notice all throughout all the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, God's glory has to be hidden from his people. He has to veil himself in order to be with his people. Because if they saw the true glory and majesty of God, they would be terrified. They would be mortified as John, we hear in the book of Revelation, falls down dead seeing the glory of Christ in his throne room. But that does not mean that God's glory is not here. The glory of God was veiled in the burning bush. The glory of God was veiled in the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud. The glory of God was veiled in human flesh and blood as Jesus walked and slept and ate and drank and healed and had compassion on everybody around him, and yes, even as he was crucified. That is his greatest hour of glory. God works in opposites. His cross, his suffering, is now your life and your freedom. His glory is our death. Our death is his glory. And so by his cross, he gives to you and to me 
the glory revealed not only here but to all of the world. God crucified for us and resurrected for us. The world says this is weak. The world says this is foolish. But for us, Christ and him crucified is for us and for our salvation the true glory of God revealed to us. And so even through the hearing of God's word, even in the receiving of the sacraments of God, the mysteries of God, God is still showing himself to you by hiding himself. He's revealing his glory through these means so that you may know that he is present with you now and eternally. And you might even notice that this isn't something that we should simply hope that happens. Peter says very clearly here tonight that after you suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Yeah, we heard that, Pastor, but what does that mean? Notice the tense by which Peter says, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory. Peter speaks in past tense. It is yours. It is finished. The glory is revealed to you on the cross. The eternal glory will be revealed to you on the last day. We see dimly, those who are in heaven with Christ see clearly. We now have but a shadow, there they see the fullness of God's glory, bright and eternal. But in the midst of all of this, this glory is now yours. Safely hidden and yet revealed to you so that throughout this life where the world continues to suffer and be full of fear and confusion and shame and sin and guilt, the glory of the Lord is revealed to you in your hearing, in your baptism, and in your feasting on Jesus, who is revealing himself yet again here tonight and every time we gather here in order that you might be restored, confirmed, strengthened, and established in his glory, which is both here for you now and there eternally for you as well. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.